Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is Kevin Klein with the Global Business Alliance. This is the first in a series of podcasts that we are doing. We're here to talk trade policy, and in an attempt to give you all more of your time back, we've decided to move our regular monthly trade policy call, our biweekly trade policy calls to monthly, and we are going to be providing more on-demand content in the meantime so that you can digest this at your leisure. We welcome any feedback on this format, any topic suggestions, and anything else that you would like to add as we, uh, as we proceed, but I'm looking forward to this, and again, this is the first of, of many more to come. I have with me on the line today Justin McCarthy from Aiken Gump. Good morning, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. So I want to talk about a few topics that are really top of mind for a lot of folks right now and still in the news. And um, so we're going to talk about China, China trade policy and then also um, some Section 301 news and, and the happenings at the WTO and specifically the Boeing Airbus dispute that is still ongoing. So turning to China first and Justin, looking at the next couple of months as the Trump era draws to a close and what the Trump administration might be trying to accomplish in regards to China policy between now and January 20th. What do you see coming? What do you see out there? I know there's been a, a few things that have been new. There's just an executive order issued last Thursday that would prohibit Americans from uh, investing in uh, Chinese military companies. That seems to affect 31 companies. But what else is coming? Yeah, uh, there is a the the list of uh, possibilities is uh, is pretty long. Um, there are a, a bunch of uh, executive actions that have uh, been pending and, and teed up, and I think you could sort of put them in 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 two buckets. You have on the one hand, you have a the China sort of security hawks, um, we can call them that, um, that have uh, teed up. Uh, a bunch of decisions that, um, you know, rumors include uh, entity listings for companies like AVIC, the Chinese uh, aerospace giant, uh, SMIC, the Chinese um, uh, semiconductor uh, uh, giant um, that would have, you know, some pretty big commercial impacts. Um, from a broader sense, what's happened is sort of put on hold in a couple of weeks leading up to the election. But I do, there is a faction of both China Hawks on the security side that have a whole bunch of things that they would like to get done, uh, you know, uh, in, in this in this period between now and January 20. And then there's a sort of smaller but um, <laughs> uh, but equally eager group on the um, on the China economic hawk side, um, led by Navarro and Ross and others that. Um, would like to do uh, some other things as it relates to um, uh, some of the economic stuff. So, you know, the, the long sort of rumored to be imminent um, ICTS uh, order is, is, is out there still and, and pushing. Um, I think what a lot of folks are waiting for is decide, you know, what the president's appetite is um, in this in this period for uh, aggressive action. Um, but I have been uh, I've heard from folks inside that there are, you know, as many as three dozen um, of these sort of individual actions that are that are out there um, as it relates to China that can be done either through, you know, additional uh, DOD uh, company listings on uh, companies tied to the People's Liberation Army. Uh, there could be further entity listings. Um, there are still concern. There are still folks concerned about. Uh, potential uh, broader uh, withhold and release orders from customs um, on, uh, on forced labor in, in Xinjiang. Um, and then, of course, we've got legislative action that is likely to happen on 
on, on, on that topic as well. So mm-hmm. I think if you look across the board, there are, um, uh, folks pushing for uh, a number of, of sort of tough China executive orders, um, or entity listings, things of that nature that we will see sanctions is another one where I think, uh, there are folks pushing, um, uh, that would be China relate, you know, China's both China specific and Hong Kong related. Uh, so I think there is a, uh, the, the menu is quite long of options and, um, I think what, um, folks both inside and outside are waiting for is, uh, the president's appetite, uh, for, um, for furthering, uh, you know, the, the sort of path that, that folks are, that this administration has been on for, for quite some time and how much they want to do, uh, between now and then. And of course you have the sort of faction of Kudlow and Mnuchin who are, you know, trying to more or less keep, um, you know, keep everything, uh, you know, in, in a in a relatively stable place uh, that that we're in now, but uh, we'll see how that debate plays out. But I would uh, I would I would sort of not rule out uh, uh, any of those things that I mentioned as as mm-hmm. possible uh, possible activities coming forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a lot possibly coming, and obviously anything that comes through is is going to be on President-elect Biden's doorstep starting January 20th, and will color how he has to interact with China. And any new uh, trade specific policy in regard to China that he is uh, contemplating as well. So what do you see Biden's priorities being um, after the 20th and and his first steps towards um, what what might be a slightly different or, or possibly more of the same relationship with China? Yeah, I think um, I think they're going to need just from a I think they're going to need to take some time. Um, I think you'll you know want to have. Uh, you know, cabinet positions filled, and I think you'll want a sort of whole of government. I think they will want to take a, a more whole of government approach as opposed to, um, you know, the sort of uh, mixed message, uh, mixed message approach sometimes that the Trump administration has had with China over the course of the last four years. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect anything immediate. Um, I do think that um, there are, you know, opportunities uh to sort of help the incoming administration understand what the impact of some of these decisions are on the business community. Um, and so I think um, there will be, uh, you know, obviously all the orders that are out there now, entity listings, um, sanctions, all of those things. I think there will be some things that will be very difficult to roll back. I think um, the, you know, sort of the uh, DOD, uh, uh, PLA, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect early additions to that list, but I also think that, um, you know, China is going to be politically sensitive going forward in addition to being a, 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 a real sort of foreign policy and, and international economic challenge. Uh, I think those facts, you know, will remain for, for Biden. Um, and, but I do think that, you know, politically, I think there are going to be folks, Republicans on the Hill and particularly in the Senate who, um, are going to be uh, holding the administration's feet to the fire on on, on being tough on China. Um, I think there is almost you know near unanimity on Buy America and things like that. That's obviously going to be a, uh, something that, that Biden has already signaled um, support uh, support for uh, greatly expanding. That will have an impact on the China relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my my sort of best guess at handicapping is I can imagine there being a scenario where uh, they want to do a sort of stock taking. Um, and, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for, uh, 
301 exclusions from China to be um, extended uh, retroactively uh, for a period of time as, you know, USTR sort of reviews the process. Um, I don't think you'll see any real action on list one and two because that's the sort of heart of, um, you know, the Ch- Ch- made in China 2025, the Chinese industrial policy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I think over, you know, longer term, I could, you, I could see either a, a, a sort of watering down of, uh, list three and, and four A by, um, you know, simply granting more exclusions as a, as a sort of practical matter, um, or a, a sort of unwinding of those depending on how they decide to take, um, take on China in a, in, in a more sort of meaningful way from their perspective. Yeah, so so more of a gradual winding down than a, a wholesale, you, you know, reevaluation of the the 301 tariffs. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I th- you know there are a couple of things that I think it will be really difficult. I think if the if in particular, you know, depending on you know what the Trump administration does um, uh, going forward uh, between now and January 20, but uh, and I also think that if the um, if the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act uh, does pass, there's a uh, you know, next month there is a 120 day as the bill is currently written, uh, a period for enactment. And, um, that is a very difficult bill, uh, if it becomes law for customs to, um, uh, customs to enforce. And so mm-hmm. that could be a, a sort of an early flashpoint, um, uh, just because of the, the, the complexity of supply chains, uh, how they would enforce that in a meaningful way. So. That's another one to flag as maybe an early test of something that happens before he gets into office that will um, undoubtedly uh, 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 be, a, be, a, be a headache early on. Yeah, no question. The administrative burden is huge. So, you know, talking a little bit about the Section 301 tariffs as they uh, apply to China, there are other Section 301 investigations out there that have not been completed, specifically a number of them targeting uh, DSTs around the world, digital service taxes. Have you heard anything new in that space? Yeah, so it, it, there has been, um, uh, we have picked up that, uh, it is likely that this, the second digital services tax 301, which group of 12 or so companies or countries rather, um, that in various, had in various stages, uh, plans to move forward with, uh, collecting or with uh, digital service tax regimes. Um, what we have picked up um, over the course of the last week is that that report is likely to come out and that the line um, that was sort of draw- was drawn was to target um, only the countries uh, on that list that are collecting uh, the tax. And um, so I believe Italy and Austria are on that list. Um, I'm actually trying to find out um, uh, where and I can, uh, I can get that back, uh, get that back to you for your for your member companies here shortly. But um, it was it not. Um, so European Union, for example, which is included in the investigation, uh, that is uh, still in a sort of proposed stage as opposed to a active collecting stage. And so that would seem to be out of the, out of the target list, um, at least, uh, at least, uh, from what we're, what we're picking up this week, but, um, mm-hmm. expect that to, expect that to come soon. And, um, on that one, there is enough time given, um, there is enough time, uh, for them if that gets put out, you know, in the next, you know, week or two. Uh, to have a notice and comment period uh, on to- on on uh, products from those markets that they would be targeting for for tariffs and to implement um, those tariffs before January 20th. So uh, if you remember, uh, 
the France digital services tax uh, is sort of on autopilot now. Those tariffs will go into place on January 6th unless uh, the administration uh, 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 puts something in the Federal Register notice that turns off those those tariffs. Uh, they have to actually act to turn them off. Uh, otherwise, they go into effect. And there have been press reports uh, this week that um, the French are in the process of uh, starting to collect that tax, which mm-hmm. I think puts and I, puts uh, any sort of U.S. action to roll back those tariffs. Uh, I would the odds uh, have just gotten a lot longer on that one. Yep, if that's yep. true. Seems politically untenable in, in France. And so, speaking of the French and um, and also the European Union uh, mentioned there, we can pivot a little bit here. I'd like to talk about the Boeing Airbus dispute. Uh, you know, French foreign, um, excuse me, French finance minister uh, recently said that the EU and the U.S. might be able to reach a compromise uh, in the coming weeks. So maybe even before Trump leaves office. I'd love to get your, your read on that. Um, obviously, the fact that the WTO released the, the tariff level for, for the EU um, retaliation and, and those are, have been announced and are in place was a bit of a turning point in this thing that's been a logjam for a while. Yeah, so it's interesting. And this is uh, taking a little bit of a, a turn. I think um, when uh, Phil Hogan was uh, uh, still the uh, the trade uh, uh, the trade minister in Brussels, uh, he and Lighthizer had sort of worked out this uh, uh, sort of kabuki dance um, where uh, they were sort of trying to use some of these confidence building measures as a way to get to uh, a way to get to a, a resolution. And uh, I know we talked about this on some of the biweekly calls uh, beforehand, mm-hmm. but just to remind folks, it started with uh, the U.S. taking a very sort of modest approach uh, on carousel back in August. Um, then there was the um, uh, modest but not insignificant uh, uh, tariff reduction deal that was done between the U.S. and the EU um, about a month later. Um, and then Hogan left. But the idea was that the Europeans would also take a similarly sort of modest approach which their, with their award. Mm-hmm. Um, so the new, uh, you know, the new trade minister came in and it unc- clearly does not have the same relationship that Hogan and Lighthizer had. So it was a little, it was a little bumpy. The U S had tried to get um, to a solution whereby instead of imposing tariffs, what the EU, what the U S would do would be to lower its tariffs to a sort of commensurate amount uh, of, of, of sort of the damage that was turned down and the EU moved forward. Um, uh, initially, there was uh, USGR was was pretty upset with that move. Um, they thought that, you know, as part of this sort of confidence building exercise, this was a, a way to get to a softer landing on some of these issues. Um, the USGR statement um, while uh, expressing disappointment in a, in a, uh, in a big way was, uh, also left themselves a lot of room and, um, they are talking. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I do, I do think that there is a possibility, uh, that you could, you know, that you could, that you could get to a deal here, uh, between now and, uh, and the end of the year. Um, I do think that, um, if I, I think it needs to happen soon though, because I, I think that, um, the longer those, the European tariffs remain in place, the greater the, um, attractiveness for the U.S. raising its tariffs up to its authorized level uh, 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 could very well could very well be, and we know that Mr. Navarro and others would certainly be advocating for that inside um, over the course of the next uh, sure. next two months or so. 
Sure, sure. So uh, sticking with the WTO, there's a number of outstanding questions um, about basic WTO governance, frankly, one of which is who's going to be the next director general. And it seems like the U.S. has been a bit out on a limb here supporting a candidate from South Korea that um, doesn't have the, the support of the EU and others. Uh, do you think that in a Biden administration, something might change here and uh, might be able to move forward? I do. Um, I do think that uh, and I think it was very um uh, some would say rarely uh, in a rare example of uh, political astuteness from uh, from the uh, WTO leadership in, in Geneva that uh, they agreed to sort of postpone this until uh, a later date due to, I guess, what they called re- recent developments. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that if they had tried to force a vote on the nominee, that that would have had lasting institutional damage uh, to the WTO. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, by not forcing the issue um, uh, and, and, and giving uh, some time, I do think that you would be in a situation where my expectation is at least that um, I think that um, uh, the Nigerian uh, candidate in Gozi is, is the likely next director general of, of the WTO. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be, uh, you know, an important step forward, I think, uh, to get to the the really tough issues that await um, await her in that in that role uh, uh, come next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually know. It, my understanding is that both of the final candidates, both the, the Nigerian and the South Korean, are highly regarded and seen as very qualified. I don't know what the impetus was for the U.S. to go the other direction. Um, and I'm not sure if you have any thoughts there. No, I mean, I knew early, you know, early on, and I think we, we discussed this sort of maybe last summer when we thought maybe there was going to be a, uh, a, a replacement and, uh, a replacement in September. Um, the U.S. uh, very much favored the Kenyan candidate, mm-hmm. uh, from Africa and, mm-hmm. uh, I think was, uh, was, <clears throat> um, unhappy with the way that that, uh, with that sort of, that, that played out. And then I think um, I agree that both candidates are very highly regarded. Um, I think it was more of a a, um, uh, a, a sort of leverage point uh, as opposed to actually preferring one candidate over the other. I think it was a um, a, a way to uh, demonstrate uh, opposition to the way the process has played out. And, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more than it more than it was anything else. Gotcha. Gotcha. The other big outstanding question at the WTO is the status of the appellate body. Um, this has been paralyzed for um, a number of months now due to the U.S. not um, appointing new uh, members to the appellate body. And it seems like the U.S. position has been that the WTO is in need of reform. I think there's probably broad consensus that the WTO is in need of reform generally. There's question as to specifics, obviously. But with, again, presidential transition coming in, do you think that this might move? Um, I, I do, although I, I think I, I, there is not a lot of uh, there is not a big difference uh, on, a, on a partisan basis in the United States on um, that the WTO is broken and um, and and that uh, reform reform is necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I think the key question that, that the Biden administration will have to address early on and uh, is um, uh, is this a, do you try to do this as you know the appellate body? And some of the associated appellate body issues, um, process, appeals, transparency, um, uh, that sort of this, this sort of things about dispute settlement that 
uh, in the WTO that are broken. Um, do you handle that as sort of one negotiation or do you make it broader? Uh, mm-hmm. And by broader, it means that there are a lot of things that you need that uh, uh, I think on both sides of the aisle on the negotiation side where you need uh, work that need fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, we're almost uh, I guess it'll almost be 20 years since the Doha round was launched and right. um, and uh, no prospect for a. Uh, uh, so I think that there's a, a real feel for updating, um, there and, and the U.S. approach has been to sort of under the Trump administration has been that like all this is the same, is the same issues that the WTO needs to be fixed. Um, an open question, I think, for the Biden administration will be, um, you know, uh, in exchange for, uh, a functioning appellate body, uh, you know, are there specific things in dispute settlement as it relates to the application of U.S. anti-dumping laws, mm-hmm. uh, countervailing duties, things like that, that you could sort of, quote unquote, get for uh, 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 removing the block on uh, on a functioning appellate body? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are a lot of folks and um, and former USTR uh, Froman uh, had a speech earlier this week um, where, you know, he was sort of urging a. Uh, a, a much broader, uh, a, a, a more broad uh, negotiation at the WTO on reform that would include um, other, you know, things just beyond dispute settlement, including this sort of negotiation and uh, uh, how do you fix uh, the negotiating process at uh, at, um, at the WTO? And I, I think it'll be interesting. I think that will be a debate. Uh, that's a debate that. I think it's been going on inside the Trump administration to a less sort of public degree. But I, I do think that's going to be an open question uh, that the Biden administration will have to will have to address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Justin. This is obviously a lot of things to keep an eye on as we move forward into the new transition. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in again. Um, our next live call, the regular hour long call, will be at 10 a.m. on December 2nd. So I hope that you all can join us for that. But I also hope that in the meantime, this on-demand content is helpful and uh, allows you to have a little bit more of your schedule back and control over your schedule. So please do reach out if you have any feedback and email me directly. And also, obviously, please reach out if you have any issues or um, things you would like to discuss in the meantime. All right. Talk in two weeks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.